Good morning, podcast land! <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. I'm your host, David, and we'll be the NCP crew, Luke. See, so, yeah, how can I just top that opening? You know? can't. Yeah. Yeah. And Crystal. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Richo's uh, actually not well today, so he won't be joining us, but instead we do have our special guest crew member, Yan Bo. What's going on? I'll try to be half the man Richo is. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard. But it's really fair to call Bo a guest crew member, given that he does every other episode. Well, that's why, it's, instead of saying just special guest, I mm. added the crew member, because he is a crew member officially, yeah. but on this specific epi- episode, he's a, he's a special guest. That's, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I tried to pump him up a bit, so special mm. guest! You know. Yeah. When really, he's just, just part of the family, really. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's, really, it's really my show, really. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I delegated to you guys. It is the Bo Show. Well, that's, that's why he's filling in for Richo quite well. There. Well, that's why I'm too. I'm too scared to do a, a who's your favourite crew member poll because I know Bo will win and I won't, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be devastated. Well, our no thoughts, are, our mm-hmm. thoughts no are with you, Richo. We hope you feel better soon. Yeah, he won't. He won't be listening anyway. So that's fine. Um, make him listen. Strap him down. <laughs> as, as you'll probably guess from uh, from my intro uh, for this episode, we'll actually be honouring Mr. Robin Williams. Uh, who unfortunately passed away uh, fairly recently last, last week. It's quite devastating. It's, I mean, it's, it's actually I'm actually quite surprised by how affected I am because I mean we we, we talk about we, we try to talk, we talk about and honour uh, people that have passed uh, before in, in previous episodes, and, and it's always sad when somebody goes. It's never a good thing. Um, but I didn't I just didn't realise just how much Robin Williams meant to me in my life until he was no longer there. It was right. really, really strange, and so I mean, I, I mean, I shed tears. I mean, I'm not, not ashamed to say it, it was really, really, really odd. Um, but so I just wanted to take the opportunity to have this episode uh, to honour uh, Mr. Robin Williams and his work. And uh, when I told Bo that that's what we were doing, he's, I mean, as our regular listeners will know, Bo's not actually usually on these the odd numbered episodes. When I told him that's what the subject matter was going to be, he was, he was really eager to j- jump on and, and honour him as well. It's, it's it's uh, it's sad, and um, I'm just glad that we can take this opportunity to, to honour him the way we, that uh, he deserves. Uh, so, in in keeping with that, uh, we'll be doing some reviews of his films. Um, each person will do a review of, of one of his films. Um, I'm not going to review every one of his films because he's in a lot of stuff. Mm. Uh, but uh, not all of it good, it must be said. <laughs> This guy. Yeah, he's um, got to pay the bills. Yeah, um, you can't be perfect all the time. Uh, what he was good, he was good. You know, that's and that's all, all, all that matters. Uh, and we'll also be doing a top five uh, inspired by his character Mork uh, from Mork, the show Mork and Mindy, who is which dealt with um, yeah, Mork the alien who comes to Earth and basically just sort of tries to tries to fit in in his in his zany way. Uh, so our top five will be uh, best films uh, that we would use to teach aliens about Earth. So sort of to explain Earth and its culture and things like that. Um, so hopefully we'll have a bit of fun with that. And what are these salty emissions? Yes, that's the, what are these salty emissions? <laughs> Show me some more of this Earth thing called kissing. You know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> so anyway, uh, on to the news. So as, as we mentioned, obviously the... The number one item is um, Robin Williams passing. Um, he's suffered from depression I mean, all of his life and uh, uh, al- alcohol abuse and drug abuse and stuff like that. And you know, eventually it just it, it took his toll and uh, he did in fact commit suicide. It's, it's, he's, he's one of those unique individuals that has a... Well, every individual is unique, but he's he had like a, such a special mind that worked in such a unique way compared to everyone else's. And it's quite a tragedy that the mind is actually what turned on him in the end. That, yeah. That is absolutely yeah. perfectly said. Right, so uh, some other news, uh, some uh, uh, also related to Robin. Um, he, Robin was uh, an avid gamer, as uh, people who have seen the, the ads with uh, the Zelda DS game will know. I, I love those ads. Um, and that's actually... It's funny, I actually, I guess it's not funny, but I, actually didn't, I didn't cry when I first heard about Robin. I actually didn't cry until I saw... The ad that he does with his daughter Zelda, um, who is named after the character from the Legend of Zelda games, um, it's, mm. it was really it was quite it was in, it was interesting. Um, anyway, so he was an avid gamer, and uh, one of the games that he played was World of Warcraft. Um, and because Bo and I are addicted to the game, we can't go an episode without mentioning it. Um, so uh, 
he, uh, Blizzard um, have acknowledged um, his contribution to the game and uh, his love of the game by uh, saying that they're going to put him into the game as an NCP. Um, the most uh, common idea is, I think, is they're going to put him into the World's End Tavern um, and just basically just have him doing stand-up stand up routines um, in Shatra. That's just that's awesome, awesome news. So he can live on in the world of Warcraft at least. There's some so there's some negative Robin Williams news. I just I mean I just I just have to say it, and I'm not going to mark this episode explicit, but because uh, I'll, I'll try and control my language. But Robin Williams' daughter Zelda uh, is on Twitter, like Robin himself was, and on Instagram and stuff. And just recently, uh, two specific users uh, felt the need to doctor up some photos of Robin's corpse. Um, not his actual corpse, but basically photos that are, were designed to look like Robin's corpse, and uh, send them to Zelda, and then basically then just start trolling her. Um, what? Those two people deserved a rotten hell. It's just it's just an absolute disgrace uh, that they basically have now hounded her off Twitter uh, and Instagram, so she's shut her accounts down. I mean, this this girl is is you know mourning the loss of her father, and these assholes decided to do that. So. I'm not going to name them. They're being banned, and uh, they're just scum. On the bright side of that, the Twitter community got behind her and hounded Twitter to get these people off. Mm. Exactly right. It's just, you know, um, it's unbelievable. Like, there's there's a certain cycle that people go through on social media where it's like the first day, um, it's like Facebook is in mourning, and then the second day... Uh, you start seeing like the people posting their favorite, you know, movies and or, or work of a certain artist, and then the third day is whenever all the douchebaggery comes out and yeah. and people, you know, start they think they're clever um, be- because they're able to post these things. Um, so you always see that cycle, you know, with celebrity deaths. It's it's really a it's really a sad side of of uh, the internet world, you know. Yeah, totally, totally with you. I couldn't understand the mind how they work, how their mind works to want to do something like that. It doesn't. Well, make... it's, it's attention seeking one hundred and one, and you know they got. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know their actual Twitter account handles were on the news. Some of they, they accomplished what they wanted to do. Probably high fiving each other. Yeah, just absolute freaking scumbags. Just some, just some other quick news. Uh, not only did we lose Robin Williams, but we also lost uh, the great Lauren Bacall. Um, it's it was a damn shame. It was actually it was the next day, I think. Mm. Um, and so Lauren Bacall, just just a siren of the silver screen, just an absolutely magnificent actress, and uh, just that voice yes. that uh, you know you just you, you couldn't miss. It was unbelievable. It's, you know how to whistle, don't you? Put your lips together and blow. Mm. I know. It was uh, she was she was uh, I got her to the screen and and uh, she deserved the accolades that she did. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, I it's, didn't. It didn't sound as sexy when Luke said it, though. No. Yeah. Well, like, but you weren't you weren't here to see it, though. I saw it. She yeah, says she how to do it. Um, I tried it. It doesn't work for me. But <laughs> see, the, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is that you know she's one of the one of the greats from the gold from the golden era of Hollywood, mm. and you know she still fought. She died at the age of eighty nine. Mm. To think that you know someone who was there almost almost from the start, not not quite, but someone from the golden age through to now is actually pretty. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, she's pretty left to let a pretty um. Uh, led a pretty interesting life, but it has actually left an indelible body of work. Yeah, she was awesome. Hmm. And uh, and just finally, just uh, once again, just back to uh, our addiction, World of Warcraft. Just one final World of Warcraft news. It's pretty important. I was going to wait until the episode with with me and Bo on it, so we can actually do it properly. But I can't help myself. I've got to say it. Uh, World of Warcraft: Warlords of Draenor expansion has uh, now officially got a release date. Uh, it is in fact November thirteen uh, in America and November fourteen, of course, because of the time change. In Australia. So, you know, remember, nerds, remember remember the 13th of November? Exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I've already got my yeah. week off. Uh, so I've, I've, I've already t- I couldn't get the actual 14th off, which is, a sh- which is actually not that bad, I thought. I mean, well, I, the way I sort of thought about it in my head is because it's a Friday anyway, um, so it's not that big a deal. But also, so I can still play Saturday. But on that specific day, you're going to have six million people <laughs> trying yeah. to trying to get onto this th- in, onto this thing. Mm. So I'm happy to wait a couple of days. I'm cool with it. So, uh, Bo, have you taken a week off as well? No. You know what's funny is the place that I work at. It's a really it's a really geeky place. 
we actually have like a company raid team. You know, some some places have like a company bowling team. We have a company raid team, and we I, and we can't let everybody off and close the store down for a week. So I don't I don't know what we're gonna do. I just think we're just not really gonna get much done that week. If you yeah. need your computer fixed, just don't bring it that that week. <laughs> we're all gonna be really busy. Just tell them all to set up World of Warcraft accounts, and that's the best place to find you for that week. Anyway, let's move on to the episode. Uh, so like I said, it is, a, it is a tribute to Mr. Ron Williams, so uh, I will go through some uh, some stuff from his life, and then uh, we'll get on to some reviews. So Ron Williams was born July 21, 1951. Uh, he is, of course, a, an actor and comedian. Um, he started off uh, with stand-up comedy um, in San Francisco and Los Angeles area in the 70s, and... Um, and eventually had his breakout with uh, the TV series Mork and Mindy, which started off as a character in the show Happy Days, of all things, strangely enough, um, and then spun off, of course, onto into its own show, which is... Uh, it's funny that Mork wasn't no. a very nice character in Happy Days. I know, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Happy Days was far more interesting with Robin Williams than without. Yeah. That's his, yeah. And it was the later days of Happy yeah. Days. It was the later days. They jumped, he, they'd already jumped the shark by that point, literally. Yes, an alien <laughs> showing up in 1950s America probably wasn't going to phase anyone no. at that point. I thought it was before they jumped the shark. Uh, it was around. It was around that time. Mm. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it was in the gimmicky days of Happy Days. Right? It was the gimmicky part. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I, so I, I, Mork does appear in the 1950s Happy Days, but he does during the TV show. It was it was set in the, the time period that it was shown in um, the 70s and uh, 70s and 80s, early 80s. Uh, he then went on to um, film, and uh, he's like I said, he's got a large large body of work, uh, which we'll go into into more detail later on. As part of his stand-up, he was re- renowned for not only his uh, impersonations, but also just the, I mean, like Crystal alluded to before, just this, just the rapid speed of just how his brain worked. Stream of consciousness. The stream of consciousness. Yeah, that's that's good. See, you're a violent. <laughs> um, it was yeah, really really impressive stuff. Uh, before he made a beak, he attended uh, Juilliard School, where he met Christopher Reeve. Uh, in fact, some of some of the classes that he attended at Juilliard was just him and Christopher. So we're going to be very popular classes, but uh, so they become um, close friends uh, up until Christopher Reeve's death as well. He struggled with uh, alcoholism and and uh, drug abuse throughout his life, mainly because of his depression and just you know just how fast his brain was going. It's called um, self medicating. Self medicating. Yes, he uh, he did. He went totally cold turkey on the drugs uh, on the at the birth of his son, his first son, um, basically because he just said he wanted to experience life growing up with his son and uh being drugged yeah. you know being co- out of his brain on coke is not the way to do it mm. so um so that's pretty impressive um yeah his mentor uh was uh jonathan winters which you know you, you chose well when you chose jonathan winters as your mentor because he was hilarious and uh robin got uh jonathan onto walk and mindy playing his son um which was you know ridiculous but, but just part of the charm of walk and mindy i suppose but uh yeah so that was pretty cool Part of, also part of the reason for why uh, he, he struggled with uh, alcoholism and drugs was because of stand-up. Apparently, I mean, this is just something I'm learning fairly recently, but the world of a stand-up comedian is, is pretty brutal. Mm. And, oh, yes. uh, you know, the you know, the rejection and the... Heckles. The, you know, and the, the heckles and the, the strive for perfection and, you know, the, just the strive to try and be funny all the time is, is really quite hard. Mm. And then you do all the partying on top of that and it's just, you know, it's just... So it's not no wonder that people like John Belushi and stuff like that just sort of spiral out of control. It's, mm. it's really crazy, but he managed to survive all that, which was good, and uh, and just became just a major major star, like I said, with Walker Mindy. And he wasn't just also known for his comedy; he was also known for his dramatic work. And uh, funnily enough, two of our reviews are going to be of his dramatic work, so that's uh, that's interesting. Um, he was a he was a fine actor as 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 well as comedian. Let's uh, move on to. His movies. I'm just going to zoom through some of his movies, and we'll get to the the point where uh, we'll review some of them. So, cool. Uh, so he had his um, his act his, his movie acting debut in Popeye. That can't be true. Yes. Well, no. no technically, te- no, technically, it was in Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses. There you go. He has a very small role in that, <laughs> which I've never even heard of. It. <laughs> But sounds hilarious. <laughs> I like the title. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So yeah, so his movie debut in Popeye. Uh, well cast. 
but I'm not a big fan of the movie itself. No, it's. No. Um, I remember it, liking it as a sorry interrupt. I remember liking it as a kid. Yeah. In that strange way that you know it's got violence and it's funny, so to kids it's awesome. Yeah. But later on, they're going. Really? I'm not a big fan of the really Robert, character. So. Really, Robert Al- really Robert Altman? Um, <laughs> it's a Robert Altman. Yeah, it's an Altman film. <laughs> anyway, so then of course he goes on the walk of Indy. Back to the films, uh, The World According to Garp, mm. uh, which is a fascinating film. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, and the book's pretty good too. Yeah, and a serious role. Mm. So. Yeah, and that was his, that was his first really yeah. breakout into the movies. Yeah. One, it's going close as well, yeah. yeah. Close as and John, well, let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, and that's one that everyone, everyone really points to, say, yeah, now nah, this is his first film. And let's forget Popeye. They go to that one. <laughs> let's go. It's uh, just some highlights. Moscow on the Hudson, nineteen eighty four. Of course, Good Morning Vietnam in nineteen eighty seven, uh, which you know famously, it's based on a true story, but famously he ad libbed pretty much all of his dialogue. Mm. Uh, it's and, just amazing stuff. And turned him into a superstar. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Mm. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen as the King of the Moon. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, uh, it's, and then, uh, then it gets us to Dead Poet Society. Which is what I'm going to review. I could be remembering wrong, but I, I think I'm remembering correctly. The first time I saw this was in a, on a school trip in year 10, I believe. It's been quite a long time since I'd seen it, and we watched it again just recently, and uh, it moved a lot slower than what I remembered. I was bored out of my head for the first half hour. Yeah. Absolutely bored out of my brain. I can't say I was bored, but it was. It, I once I got into the nice slow pace of it, I yeah. think it, it just sort of flowed for me. This movie uh, came out in '89. Yep. Robin Williams plays a school teacher, English school teacher, John Keating, um, and he's a new teacher at a prestigious boys' school. This is set in the 20s, is it, mm-hmm. the film? Um, and the boys are all, all the boys there are being groomed to be doctors, lawyers, you know, very high-paid, prestigious professions, and they're all uh, pretty regimented. There's... They, 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 there's they go to school, they do their work, they study together. And then this teacher, John Keating, comes along and tells them that there's more to life and introduces them to the Dead Poet Society. And uh, so they decided to create their own Dead Poet Society and snuck off during the night and read poems to each other in the cave. Um, it's, it's a coming-of-age coming story, really, and it's also a tragic story for... Film's nearly thirty years old. Can I say it? Can I spoil it? It's 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 part of the part of pop culture now. Just how how this film ends. So. Yes. Oh, well, it's, for, it's for, for for the character. In fact, Neil, we just said it five minutes ago. <laughs> for the character Neil, it's a it's a tragic story. Um, and and actually, always kind of half amused me that Robert Shaw Leonard goes on to play a doctor in later life, <laughs> in the TV show House. <laughs> um, I'm amazed. I've got to tell you, I got to reveal something. When we watched it the other night, not once did you say, "That's the guy from House." Because every time we watched House, you would say, that's the guy from the Dead Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't flip. I was waiting for it the whole film. Well, because I was aware that you knew that was the guy from that's, House. That's never stopped you before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was amazed at how young Ethan Hawke looked. I know, it was unbelievable. He looked 12. He's, uh, <laughs> so different to what he looks like now. This movie made an impact on me at the time when it came out. I think it falls a little short now, nearly 30 years later. Um, just in the, it doesn't sort of go deep enough into Neil's story. He sort of, he feels trapped because his father's going to send him off to military school and, and, you know, he has to be a doctor. He can't do what he wants to do. And, and I, I think when you, in that situation, there's more to it than that. There's more going on in your mind than, than just because you, you can't, you, you're trapped into a life you don't want to be in. Mm. Um, having said that, even though it doesn't make much sense, sorry. <laughs> uh, I give this film uh, four Luke's. Cool. I'm with you. I mean, looking at it now, is it doesn't quite flesh out. It has it has various plots, and it doesn't yeah. really flesh out any of them. So mm-hmm. you, have, you have they have the young man who's uh, in love with the blonde cheerleader girl, and he's trying to attempts to woo her and stuff, and that gets more airtime than Neil's story, which is essentially meant to be the main plot. There's a bit of a misdirection at the start because at the start uh, you would think that it was going to be Todd's story yeah 
Yeah, and it and turns, he gets a little bit. Yeah, he, he gets, gets a little bit, bit, a little bit, but, but, but it turns not out as to, much. Yeah, it turns out to be to be Neil's story. Yeah, it doesn't really delve into uh, depression. Mm. It doesn't really talk about that at all. But back then, people didn't, and it's still a hard topic for people to talk about now. It's only becoming it's it's, it's still taboo in places to talk about, I guess. Yeah, and that's, and that's and that's part of it because Neil doesn't get as much time on screen as mm. you would hope. It doesn't the the end when he does what he does at the end. It really, I mean, it's it's still tragic, but it really it's it's mainly yeah, what I was but thinking. But the blame was, is all surely, placed squarely yeah. on his father, yeah, and not there's like, other and, options, and not not anything else that's going on in yeah, his head. It's, it's, yeah, it's and it's and of course that's not what it is. I mean, he he, he felt that was the only option he had, and that's you yeah. know that's fine. But it just it just doesn't come across that way. You mm. know what I mean? It just it's kind of like, well. I have to say though, the performances why? are all spot on. That they're, they're yeah. all they're, I can't point to any one particular person in his film and say you weren't as good as the rest because no, they're all absolutely brilliant performances and of course Robin Williams is just you know, I was going to say at his peak here but he's I don't know if he ever peaked he was always good in everything <laughs> that's the thing is like as, as I mean as a Luke alluded to at the start not all these films are good let's be honest yeah they? but he's, he's always awful. good yeah but he was always good, and no matter what, I mean, he always gave his all in everything that he was in, and that's and you can't ask for more than that. It was never a case of he was just doing it for the paycheck that I that at least on screen you couldn't see. Well, let's face it, that's probably true. That's probably what he was doing, mm. but you never saw that, and that's that's you know I guess mm. that's probably why he's so well loved. Mm. Uh, so after Dead Poets Society, we had Cadillac Man, nineteen ninety, Awakenings, uh, Dead Again. The Fisher King, one of his personal favourites in 1991. He was good in The Fisher King. Um, he was. Uh, Hook. Yeah. Uh, the ill-advised <laughs> Peter Pan movie. It's not very good. No. Let's be honest. It's well-loved, but it's, uh, I'm not a fan. Well-loved by kids and, you know, people who saw it as kids. Uh, in, yeah, I saw uh, it as a kid. Yeah, I haven't right? seen it since then, though. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, seen well, it again since then. That was the audience it was made for. That's right. Yeah. It was made for kids. That's right. It's the whole fan of Menace, you know, the defence. Uh, and then uh, in, 19, in 1992, uh, he was in the film that Avatar ripped off Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. As um, one of the one of the things, one of the mini films one Avatar ripped off. Yeah, that is one of them exactly. And then uh, in 1992, he was also in uh, what would be uh, yet another just breakout performance uh, in Aladdin. Well, Alibaba had them forty feet. Sherry's out had a thousand tails. Master you in luck, cause up your sleeves you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now, it's heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch, damn! Yahoo and how, say all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Lamser, what will your pleasure be? Let me take your order, jot it down, you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> um, this is the film that I've chosen. Um, Aladdin, for those of you who don't know the story of Aladdin and seriously why have you not seen the film or better yet gone and read the original story tells the story is the story of a young street urchin hired by an evil magician to go into a cave to steal this um, rather plain looking lamp that actually holds magic powers through that the young the young young um, street urchin is able to use the genie in the lamp to um, further his own further his own gains and then subsequently fall in love with the fall in love with the princess and defeat the evil magician. You know, fairy tale sort of 101 right there. But what really makes this stand out is the genie himself. Robin Williams, this is a bit of a watershed because before this animation, you know, you had, vo- you had voice actors and you had people who did it as a bit of a career. Yeah. But you didn't really have someone of the calibre of, say, Robin Williams. And Robin Williams subsequently turned into performance that, in terms of actors actually not seen on screen, um, that has only been equaled really by Andy Serkis's Gollum. Yeah. Um, Robin Williams manages in the genie to create a supporting cast member who is very, very funny, quite charismatic and charming, um, but doesn't actually detract from the overall story. Yeah. You know, as wild and over the top as the genie is, Aladdin is still the main folk, still the main focus, and we are still able to follow him. But the genie is a wonderful creation. You know, from the moment he shows up to um, the moment where he is, he's allowed to, he's allowed to go free. Um, it is just a joy to watch. And like, and a lot of that does go to Robin Williams' portrayal. Like I said, no one before this had actually managed to really bring an animated character to life with their voice in the way that he had, apart from Mel Blanc. Um, and really, since then, um, you know, every single film has you know celebrity 
um, celebrity actors, yeah. starting with The Lion King, which had just about every character played by celebrity actors, you know, Jeremy Irons, Matthew Broderick, um, up until the present day, of course. Um, but really, it's, in my opinion, only um, Andy Serkis has actually managed to actually bring an animated character to life without actually appearing on screen um, since. Um, Aladdin, and beside, beside the genie, Aladdin has some great songs, a great story. Um, it's based on uh, one, of the, one of the best fairy tales um, of all time, in one of the best collections of fairy tales of all time, and, the reason, and why we don't actually go and look at the entirety of uh, the 1001, 1001 Arabian Nights I, is a mystery to me, because it's more interesting in some cases than grim. Were you there? Uh, this was a beloved uh, film that I watched con- constantly as a kid, but I still really enjoy it today as an adult. It holds up really well, and is only bettered, I guess, um, by it's this, the previous Disney film, which was Beauty and the Beast. With Toy Story and Toy Story 2 coming in very close second and third. Um, <laughs> I give this four and a half looks. Awesome. I, it is, it's, it's my favourite Disney film mm. ever. Yeah. Um, it, the only film that even comes close is Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, and then Pinocchio, um, I think, with Little Mermaid coming in fourth. <laughs> Little Mermaid is cool because it was the... David's got a thing for Little Mermaid. Yeah, because Ariel's hot. But no, no, it's because, no, it's because it's, you know, it, was it was Disney's return yeah, to form. Yeah, it was Disney's return to form. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, Aladdin is is perfection from start to finish. Mm. And part of that is because of, uh, of Robin. And, yep. and the songs and, you know. Mm. It, Robin Williams. And once again, improv. Yep. Um, and it's also one of those one of those occasions where the artist drew the character mm. to resemble the voice person doing the voice, which they didn't mm. do all that often. Yeah. Um, and uh, which has now become a, a staple. Well, the guy who um, played Aladdin yeah. didn't look like Aladdin. No, Aladdin that's was, told, was designed was based on Tom Cruise. They've done it a couple of times before, like the, mm. the lady that played uh, Malekith and stuff like that. Mm. Sort of, they they sort of did sort of similar things. But mm. but the genie mm. is essentially Robin Williams yeah. on screen um, with superpowers. And just one, you know, because they did two direct to video sequels to yeah. this an, an animated show, um, and the first one returned to. The Return of Jafar and the animated series, the genie is actually voiced by Homer Simpson, Dan Cast in the letter. But then they actually got Robin Williams back for um, The Thief of Kings, which is yeah, the third one. That's right. And they actually tub-thumped that one heavily based on the fact that Robin Williams was returning as the genie. I don't know whether that's a terrifying thought or a magnificent thought, Robin Williams with superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after Aladdin, we then moved on to Toys, 1992, uh, and then, of course, the much-beloved... Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire uh, in yeah. 1993. It was on you know TV just recently and uh, and is like every month it seems um, because it is, it, it's of late it's a Robin Williams that you can actually play to your kids apart yeah. from Hook. So yeah, yeah, it's, it is hilarious. That yeah. is the one film that one of the Australian TV stations chose to play as a tribute. As, yeah. yeah, which is fair enough. It's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. It is. It is probably one it's because they had it on the high roles. rotation anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of people's favorite Robin Williams movie. Yeah, and we've got cause because it is it basically showcases all of his acting skills in one film. Uh, so it's, it, it it covers all the bases. Uh, is then in um, just skipping over some stuff. Being Human, uh, Nine Months, uh, which is another when he played one of his uh, doctor roles. He plays a doctor quite often. Mm. Um, and then of course uh, Jumanji in 1995. Um, oh yeah, I loved that when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> then, then he was in uh, The Birdcage in 1996, uh, playing Armand. Um, it's another really, classic. Another classic, yeah, great stuff. Uh, and then sort of moving on, moving on. Um, he was in that... Oh, then I've got to mention it. It's not a, it's not a film, but his appearance in Friends uh, mm. is uh, is just one of the highlights of Friends, uh, the Friends TV show. Um, I thought they did that too, just quickly. Yeah, just because Billy, Billy Crystal and Robin Williams just happened to be there. They said, hey, just, come on. Yeah. Just and it was nice because building. everyone else shut up, yeah. and we actually saw two... Actually, funny men. Yeah. Um, just watch. <laughs> to be fair, you know, I, I did enjoy Friends, and there are bits that I do, but I don't, I don't rewatch it. Um, oh, but, I do. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know that moment where they just come in and they just sit down and talk, and then just take over, and then just take over, and then walk <laughs> off. They're like, yep, yeah. that's they've just shown you how it's done, guys, and you don't live up to it. Yeah. Uh, then we had uh, Father's Day, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, oh yeah, that's another. That's got the sugar ray through it. Yeah. It does. <laughs> uh, Deconstructing Harry, Flubber, which I'm not a fan of, I'll be honest with you. I prefer uh, the first thing. <laughs> uh, and then uh, in, in 1997, we also had Good Will Hunting, which oh, would yeah. be my film. Directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who then went on to win the Academy Award. 
uh, for writing. Uh, it stars, funnily enough, it says it stars Robin Williams. <laughs> and really, it stars Matt Damon uh, and uh, Ben Affleck and Robin Williams uh, in his role as a uh, psychologist or psychi- psychiatrist. He's a psychologist. He's a psychologist, yeah, psychologist. Uh, Sean McGuire. But at um, the time, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were unknown, weren't they? Mm, so it yeah, had to star is, Robin Williams. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Mm. Very good point. It also has uh, Stalin Skarsgård, uh, Mini Driver, young Casey Affleck <laughs> being hilarious. <laughs> or, or, or for Stalin Skarsgård, as I called him, Thor's friend. <laughs> yeah, Stalin Skarsgård appears on screen for the first time because it goes, oh, there's Thor's friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, because he hadn't had made, you know, Decades worth of film was previous to Thor. No, not at all. <laughs> and I just just before we watched that, I was just when I was on my own, I was watching uh, the Hunt for Red October because I've got a, a copy that's got a John McTiernan commentary. Mm. So I was like, all right, cool. And uh, Scarlett Johansson goes in there as well. I, was like, I didn't say there's Thor's. And <laughs> and I can actually mention this now. There is a, another slight connection, which is that still in Skarsgård appeared in the Swedish version of Insomnia, which Robin Williams um, remade. Which, which Robin Williams remade. Oh, there oh, you go. Wow, it's all comes. Mm. Huh. Full like circle in, in, in a completely meaningless, <laughs> meaningless way. Kevin Bacon. Anyway, so Good Will Hunting is uh, not only one of my favourite Robin, Robin Williams films, but it's also one of my favourite films. Uh, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those one of those films that can that no matter how many times I've seen it, and I've seen it a lot, it can just really affects me emotionally, and not necessarily the scenes that you would expect. Uh, I mean, obviously the "It's not your fault" scene is uh, is is quite powerful, um, but doesn't affect me anywhere near as much as uh, the scene on the park bench um, when uh, Robin's character Sean tells Will just what he thinks about him, and it it is it's incredibly powerful stuff. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what more I can say other than it's just it's Robin Williams is, is acting at his finest. They turned that actual park bench into a tribute. Yeah, they did. Yeah, people were leaving yeah. tributes on that park bench, which is, which is pretty amazing. Um, it is. I mean, it's it's uh, it also, it's also. I mean, Matt Damon showing just what he's capable of and who they went on to the career that he has. Uh, ben Affleck doesn't do very well, but he, he gets slightly he, better. He improves. <laughs> he, he improves. Um, that scene when he's at the door and, and Will's not there anymore, and she's sort of standing there, and I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. Get off the screen. But other than that, it's fine. Um, but you know, back to Roman. It's it is absolutely magnificent, and uh, he's description of his wife and his wife's passing and just how much she meant to him and it just it really really gets to me um and he he uh justifiably won the academy award uh for that for his performance i've heard that yeah yeah um, I, I really liked when he talked about his wife farting yeah <laughs> it was hilarious and sad all at the same time. It was uh, and, and, and a good illustration of what it's like to be in a relationship that close. Yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. It's I, I can't I, I can't really say much more. That uh, I mean, I've said everything that needs to be said. It's brilliant and uh, deserves to be seen by everybody. And uh, unshockingly, gets a five out of five. Mm-hmm. My uh, little sister watched that for the first time just the other day, and she said it was because. She'd finally realised it's not a film about hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always really enjoy the scene in uh, what what Kevin Smith movie is it where they yeah. they go chainsaw Bob strike back yeah chainsaw Bob yeah applesauce yeah they go to the set of Goodwill Hunting and it looks exactly like one of the scenes from the movie well yeah, that's, that's, that's that's what it is it's, it's Goodwill Hunting 2 hunting season yeah he takes the shotgun off the wall and he's like it's hunting season and starts shooting everybody <laughs> and that guy actually who plays that he actually comes back to replies his role and Gus Van Sant's over there and he's like Ben's like can we get some direction and Gus the cat needs money he's like yeah whatever Ben I'm working that's I'm working <laughs> Hilarious! It's probably the, it's actually probably the funniest bit in James Bond: Strike Back, which is yeah, let's that not is talk the best that. part. That's that's not a very good movie. That's definitely the best part. <laughs> <laughs> like this happened to me. I was flipping flipping through TV, and it was on that scene on Jay and Bob Strike Back, but I thought it was Good Will Hunting, and I was like, oh, this is a little odd. And then I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> Three for a loop. <laughs> After the brilliance of Good Will Hunting, uh, he then went on to uh, What Dreams May Come, another serious role. Uh, visually stunning, story-wise, pretty ordinary, uh, in my opinion, anyway. 
1998 saw Patch Adams get another Doctor role. It's a uh, you know much beloved role. Um, it's actually a bit maligned for it at the time. At the time it was, yeah, but now it's beloved. Yeah, never saw it. So oh, well, there you go. That's worth uh, a watch. Jacob the Liar, uh, Bicentennial Man, which I remember loving when I saw it. It's more as more a Moffian than iRobot ever was. It did a better job than iRobot. Yeah. <laughs> which we enjoy. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his cameo appearance in AI, Artificial Intelligence, which is hilarious. Uh, so another serious role, a couple of serious roles with uh, One Hour Photo, mm. uh, which I quite like. Moving on to his appearance, voice acting in Robots. Bear in mind, I'm skipping quite a lot of stuff mm. here. So, I mean, he's, he's just in a huge amount of stuff. The Night Listener, which I never saw. Did you see that? No. No? No. Um, RV, which we mentioned already, uh, Man of the Year, uh, and of course his voice work in Happy Feet, oh hilarious. God. Happy Feet's awesome. Can't Australia's owed. With ninety percent. Uh, uh, I don't care if it's an international cast. Ma- it's an Australian film, but that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> uh, most of the actual CGI was done overseas. Um, dude, Australia's owed. <laughs> uh, he was his appearance as Teddy Roosevelt in Night of the Museum. Um, Licensed to Wed, another pretty ordinary film, but he does well as always. His awesome appearance in SVU. No, sorry. Oh, great stuff. Check it out. Merritt Rook, great character. Uh, which then, of course, brings us to Bo's review of the 2009 film World's Greatest Dad. You know, whenever I think of my favorite Robin Williams movie, this is the one that probably evoked invoked um, the most emotion. This is a, it's a tough film to watch, honestly. Like, uh, I don't know that I plan on watching it again anytime soon. I can't imagine myself being in the mood to say, you know, that I want to invoke that emotion again. But it's a, it's a, it's a good film. It's not, it's not tough to watch in a bad way. Hmm. It's just um, subject matter. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's 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 a dark. It's really kind of a dark comedy that deals with um, suicide and coping with loss and. Um, and I almost didn't, me and David actually had a discussion last night about whether I should review this one or not right after Robin Williams passing. It really is, it really is one of my favorite movies. It's directed, it's written and directed by, um, the comedian Bobcat Gold, Goldweight. How do you say that? Goldweight? Goldweight. I think that's pretty close. Goldweight. Then he's written and directed a few other, like, really dark comedies. It's about the character, let me give you the character's name. Uh, Robin Williams plays Lance Clayton, who is basically like a failed writer, like he... He uh, dreamed of being a writer. He's a um, he teaches, um, but he he never got any attention for anything he wrote. He has this like really asshole of a son, and uh, basically the movie is about. I read that directly out of the description. That's how the uh, <laughs> they they describe him on the back of the movie. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, basically, like you think the movie is going in one direction, and um, it just takes a completely left turn, like. Whenever you start the movie, I remember uh, watching it and thinking, like, oh, this is going to be one of those stories where, like, the father has this jerk of a son, and uh, he's he's meeting somebody new, and the son's not going to trust the new person, and then they're going to some they're going to go on a camping trip or something, <laughs> and then it's all gonna they're all going to love each other in the end. Um, that's the kind of movie it is until about halfway through, um, whenever the the movie just takes a complete turn and and i guess it's really hard to talk about without saying that this the son um the son ends up committing suicide um i won't give you any more details than that on it because i don't want to spoil it but it is a key part to the storyline so i think i have to say that Mm. um and the the dad robin williams the circumstances of his son's suicide is a little embarrassing so he decides he's going to um write a suicide note he basically stages the entire um, scene so that he can kind of give his son a different legacy than than the truth. The suicide note was written just so like that's so poetically so like fluently like he actually gets really popular for the the, the suicide note and so like this is the first thing that uh, Lance Clayton has has written in his entire life that's gotten any notoriety was his son's fake suicide note and <laughs> so he says you know that his son has diaries and so. Um, which I don't think his son really did have diaries, and, and um, Robin Williams' character uh, Lance Clayton starts writing the diaries of his son, and the diaries become really popular. And so it's it's this weird story of like this uh, aspiring writer that kind of becomes famous through imitating uh, his his dead son. 
it's a really again it's a really dark comedy um and uh it makes it kind of makes light of this subject a little bit but at the same time it does deal with some really heavy um you know how to cope with death and and um you know the types of things that people will see about you like after you pass and and what that says about you while you're alive and it's it's a really dark film it definitely what i what i like what i like about the film but also the reason that i'm not like jumping to to watch it again is is that it takes you on that roller coaster in such a harsh way like you really watch this movie not knowing what what you're getting into and then it just it just changes on a dime to like this really sad you know movie where you you feel the emotion of the main character and and um even the way it ends is just kind of somber and and um you know the main character just kind of you know learns you know what life is like you know without his son and it's it's a really it's a really sad movie but it's a really good movie and and i would say that anybody should watch it once i mean it's it's definitely a really good movie right now because of because of the recent events and everything i don't know that this would be the movie that i would watch to kind of to cope with robin williams death but um it's definitely one of his best movies one of my favorite movies and um i would give it 4.5 lukes out of five awesome then after that he followed up with uh, the sequel to night at the museum battle of the smithsonian he joined a, a huge cast for old old dogs uh he returned for australia's own happy feet too uh, and then I uh, did some more just <laughs> using it for the money that's what that film is the, yeah I'm actually not a fan of it I don't think I just don't think it's very funny I haven't seen it um, then he did some TV work uh, most notably uh, his appearance in Louis uh, which is uh, Louis C.K.'s TV show I love that show yeah it's funny stuff uh, I haven't seen it yet but he apparently appears in the Zero Theorem as the Church of Batman the Redeemer billboard spokesman <laughs> <laughs> which I now have to see which is now on my list. <laughs> it was directed by Terry Gilliam. Yeah. So I'm going to see, see it. I'm going to see it anyway. But. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, he returned to TV just, just recently uh, for The Crazy Ones with Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, about a father and daughter team uh, who, who work basically who work together and uh, you know, the crazy things that happen. I actually haven't seen any of it because uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't even started showing in Australia yet. That was his uh, pretty much his final work. So yeah, Robin Williams. You were mentioning at the start of the show about like how you know, celebrity deaths don't usually affect you that way. And, um, me and, me and Matt, a friend of mine, were talking just the other day, like, you know, like celebrity deaths, like, you know, they don't almost, they don't seem like real people because you never really got to know them. Like, it's not like, it's not like somebody, you know, passing because you, you don't really know that person. All you know is, is what you've seen of them. But Robin Williams, I think, especially for my generation, we kind of saw his characters at an impressionable time, you know, in an impressionable age and and actually because his career was so long he scoped so many of those generations like he he touched a lot of people at that same age yeah and um it is tough you know i could see i'm just not that type of guy to get emotional like whenever a celebrity passes away but with robin yep. williams like i definitely felt it like it definitely it definitely felt real like maybe you know i did know him a little more than other people and not to say that i did it all even i don't i don't think we actually do it all but we you know that's that's why it's tougher though um, is because he puts so much of himself in these characters, and so you feel like you're losing somebody that you actually know, as opposed to just you know you've seen on screen. Yeah, well that's, said. That's exactly it. We could have cut this entire episode and just had what you and Crystal said. <laughs> just that would be the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay, so let's move on to our top fives now. In the sort of keeping in the top five theme, like I said at the start, sort of inspired by his character Mork. Uh, one of his most well-known roles, of course. Uh, the top five uh, subject is uh, best films to teach aliens about Earth. Um, and it was a bit of ambiguity, <laughs> sort of, with, with uh, when I describe this. I, I, it's it can be sort of it's it's films that we would show aliens in order to teach them about humans and humanity and stuff like that, but also about you know Earth itself and just life, human life in general, not necessarily. Not to warn them off, mm. <laughs> which is some of mine. <laughs> well, some of my choices are kind of like, well, this is what people are like. I suggest you don't land here. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the guy in the big building ball where everyone, when everyone's going, you know, that's it. Come, take us, take us. No. <laughs> like that chicken ID four with the, with the yeah. Yes. But you're the opposite of that, saying, so stay away, <laughs> stay, stay away. You don't want to land for your own good. You don't want to come here. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, I reckon we're going to start with Luke. Sure. Um, I actually found this uh, 
it's kind of interesting and hard because you know where do you go with this and there are so many options to choose from yeah. and even I'm not convinced that I'd probably show that, that my, the five that I've chosen are probably the five that I might in the end show aliens but um, trying to justify why and try to take more, a slightly more anthropological approach I guess gotcha. whether that's successful or not remains to be seen <laughs> um, but I'll give it a shot anyway these aren't in ranking order this isn't you know the best film yeah mine aren't in order either yeah um, uh, so the first film I, I would show them is Jason and the Argonauts um, for a couple of reasons one I wanted to choose a film that showed our adventurous spirit and our desire to go out and see so in some cases to conquer but also to go out and uh, see what's beyond the horizon which has actually defined humanity for several you know almost thousands for thousands of years not only that it's also it also does talk a little bit about our um, our love of mythology and ancient history yep you know the you know the Jason story is the, is is the famous story of going off to find the golden fleece, um, but you know the gods get involved and um, the hero's journey. To hit the you know, the classic hero's journey, yeah. and that's that's the first one I show to show our, cool. our mythological past, our ancient past, even though it's not true, um, but also our adventurous spirit and our desire to see beyond the borders of our own of our own confines. The second one I show goes the other way the other way, which is All Quiet on the Western Front, the original one. Okay. Um, nice. Because one of the things that we do need to show and do need to understand is that we are a race born of conflict. Yeah. And we are that you know there are several times where we've had major, major, major clashes with cultures other than ourselves, to um, rather detrimental effect. And I think what this shows is that shows um, you know the horrors of war. It shows the horrors of war. Not only that, it also shows that you know we are actually. Um, transformed by our experiences and our experiences to have the ability to change us that's you know Paul's journey and this is one of being a, a, a bright idealistic young um, soldier but it, you know the horrors of what actually do affect him to the point where he actually tries to tell people this is wrong this is horrific we shouldn't be doing this mm. um, not only that it's a Hollywood film but it's told from a German the Germans perspective you know, mm. the Germans were our enemy in World War one so the other the, the other thing they're being saying that we can actually share the experiences of cultures other than ourselves we there is some uh crossover and a lot of people when this first first reviewed actually were saying you know this this relates to my experience uh the third one i chose was in the heat of the night um because one of the things that another thing that you we need to point out is that we are not just one species we are many cultures and many races um but we do share this um this entire planet we do have to live together with each other and occasionally we have to put aside our differences and our prejudices to come and work together so you're working on the on the, the put aside our prejudices angle not the just how horrible we are to each other angle so I talked about that a bit with all quiet on the western front that's what i'd show there because oh. it does the, but here it's all about um, a good choice that's when good. if because yeah if you're showing an angle, you, you, the one thing you do want to point out is that we can actually work with cultures that are not our own um, and in this case, there are, there are two cultures that are at work. One is the white and the African-American, but yeah. it's also the country and the city mentality as well. Gotcha. Um, nice. That's well done. Um, and you put a lot more thought into it. Than that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, I actually quite like this one. Yeah. Um, so that's the third one. The fourth one I've got is Aliens. And I chose <laughs> Aliens over... No, 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 I know, because it, it does fly in the face a little bit of what I've just said. <laughs> yes. Um, but there is a reason why I've chosen Aliens, which is... Thinking about this, the first those were the first three films I came up with, and they're all male-centric. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to show a film where it said that what basically what, what women male, men can do, women can do as well. One of the ones I had was Working Girl, yeah. um, which is the 80s sort of power woman, but that's very much of its time, and I wanted something a little more universal. And the nice thing about Aliens is that it doesn't just show how um, tough Ripley is, and she's very, very tough. But it also shows um, a maternalistic side, a parental side, you know, the caring for Newt. But and it also shows that if you mess with this, not only will our men fight back, but our women will as well. But that's the yeah, that's the, and that's that's the thing I wanted to, the two things there to show that we we are not just you know men are tough, women are weak, women um, are as tough and can do what men can do yep. um, as well, if not better. But also that we are at the heart, we are parents and we are guardians and we are mentors and we are teachers and we are very protective of our young. Cool. Um, not only that, if we do come into contact with a culture that is not that we feel is detrimental to us, um, that has nothing but a harm, we will stand up and we will fight. Okay. And the last one I chose was, and the last one was 
a bit of a toing and froing because I was going to throw in Working Girl, but then I went, no, I, want, I do want a comedy, um, but I want something that's a little bit different to what you might expect. So I went with A Night at the Opera by the Marx Brothers. A nice thing about The Night at the Opera is that there are a couple of things going on. First of all, very funny and things happen at a rapid pace. And you want, you know, to show that we are not just serious-minded folk, that we do have a lighter side to us as well. But there's a nice anti-establishment, anti-elitism mentality that the yeah, Marx true. Brothers have always had. You know, they're, yeah. they're anarchists and, you know, practitioners of chaos theory at, at their peak. If yeah. um, uh, You know, it's the, about fighting against um, uh, the elitism of, you know, opera versus popular culture. Um, but also, they're fighting up against. They they do go, go up against bullies. Yeah, you know they do fight for the little folk, and that's another thing. We don't like bullies, which is funny because they were bullies before they become famous. They were bullies before they become famous, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, the, it's uh, definitely uh, it's there. It's there, but um, in terms of the actual film itself, yeah, you know we are actually showing. I got you. Yeah. We know we, we do like standing up for the. We do like to think of our. Let me put it this way: we like to think of ourselves as standing up for the little guy. Yeah, if they're being put down, and so those are my those are my five. It's all excellent choices. Mm. Uh, next up, we've got Bo. Okay. I have one really good one. Like, I have one that, like, this is the one. I don't know that they need another one. Okay. And that is a documentary called Life in a Day. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but basically it is... Let's see if I can tell you this, the day. I don't know how they did this. I guess they gave people, like, cameras all over the world or something, but mm. it is the same day across different countries, different families, different, different like family situations and, you know, single people, working class people, rich people, um, third world people. Like they, they give a video camera and these people film one day of their life um, from any walk of life you can think of. And it is basically, there's no narration to the documentary. It is just, it, you're just watching people live their day the same day and uh, it, it's a really crazy documentary. It's called Life in a Day. Mm. Um, and it, it touches, because of it, because of there being no narration and, and uh, because of it being like just different parts of the world with different, different types of people, um, it kind of touches on different races and different cultures and how we interact together. Um, you know, it, it shows uh, people that work from home and people that go to work and film themselves interacting with other people and um, so, so life in a day is, it's, it's almost like they made a, a, a documentary that they could show to aliens. Um, cause it's, uh, it's, it's almost identical to, to what we're trying to describe. Um, and then I would say my second one is clerks. I'd want to show them clerks cause I'd want them to see the, the average man, the, uh, the slacker. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I think it would be important for them to see that. I also think we, sh we would have to show them, uh, 2001, a space odyssey. Or, you know, just any classic sci-fi that kind of shows, um, like Luke was saying, the exploration, um, sort of the, uh, the curiosity of, of humans. Um, but um, I think that 2001, um, uh, maybe some of the Star Trek movies, I was trying to think of a Star Trek movie that wasn't so based on the, the Star Trek storyline. It was just more about, like, you know, uh, humans and exploration. But um, I'd want to show them our vision of what we... Um, think the future could be, um, and what um, you know, what we think life outside of Earth could possibly be. Um, so I was thinking, you know, movies in that vein would be would be something good to present. Cool. So my fourth one, I would say, Doctor Strange Love. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think I think that I'm coming up with this as I'm going. No, that's um, good. I think Doctor Strange Love uh, kind of represents. Uh, um, you know, that's a movie that's about, uh, you know, just how we could destroy ourselves. <laughs> and, and uh, um, it, but it's sort of, but it also kind of narrates sort of the, the, the fear of that. And I think aliens would be smart enough to know that that's a cynical movie, that um, we didn't make the movie because we glamorize it. Let's see, the fifth movie, Twilight. Definitely Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would want them to see how oppressive we are to our women, and that we think uh, vampires are sparkly. Um, <laughs> um, I reckon, you know, my other comment about standing on top of the building, Twilight should be your neon sign. <laughs> Just broadcast that. Yep, nope, this is boring. Let's get out of here. 
<laughs> sort of a bit like what they did in Fantastic Four, but without Godzilla. Twilight, hilarious. All right, well, uh, up with me. Uh, yeah, like I was saying before, I sort of there was a bit of ambi- ambiguity about the, the sort of the subject of, the, of this top five. So, but my, my first one is the day the Earth stood still, and I chose that because of not only is it brief, but also because it just uh, it will show aliens. Just basically, this is it's how we would react. <laughs> so it's, to sort of prepare them, it's, a, it's like a preparation for them before yeah. they land. It's like yeah, we will react like a bunch of weirdos, but well, there is still good in us, and uh, we're not all bad. And you, we could we could still still coexist peacefully. I'm assuming you don't mean the Keanu, Keanu Reeves version. No, no, I mean the good version, not, <laughs> <laughs> not the crap version. Uh, yeah, so it's it's. Uh, it's it's a classic, and uh, I think it it, just, it shows us at at our best, at our worst, mm. when it comes to specifically alien invasion. So you know what aliens are, are monsters sort of stuff. Uh, my second was Starman uh, for you know similar sort of reasons to sort of show you know if 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 you do come, then expect this sort of stuff to happen, mm. um, and uh, and when again shows us at our best and our worst, um, and also because it's awesome. Mm. Then I wanted to sort of, I wanted to sort of mix it up a bit. No, I wanted to show a film. I wanted to show them a film that shows us again at our best and the worst, but mainly at our best, and specifically around the subject of love. And for that, I chose when Harry met Sally, because um, it just sort of, sort of show just how humans interact and uh, just how neurotic we are, and what and, and what we don't say is just as important as what we do say. Um, and you know that love is all powerful. And once again, because it's <laughs> so, uh And also, and uh, then I sort of, sort of moved on to sort of like you, Luca, tried to sort of think about it a bit more harder and, and take it a bit more seriously. And I, so I then wanted to show, I should show them a film that I thought, uh, like uh, Bo said, with you know, uh, Life in One Day, a film that sort of encapsulated humanity as a whole. Hmm. And for that, I chose It's a Wonderful Life. I, I, I do love the film. I never want to see it ever again. But it's <laughs> only because I've seen it so many times. But it is. And it is a bit, you know, a bit cheesy here and there, but I think It's a Wonderful Life is, is beloved for a very good reason, and that's because it just shows exactly what humans are capable of uh, when they believe. And belief is is a, a very powerful force. And once again, love and, and uh, you know, self-confidence. And basically everything that, you, I mean, that film encapsulates everything that humans are, you know, in a nutshell. And, and hope, I, sorry. Yeah, and, and hope as well. And hope as well, yeah. Um, and then, so it's a sort of a, sort of flip that on its head. I also I wanted I again on the themes of just of just what of just how ridiculous humanity can be sometimes. It's just I mean we're 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 so powerful as a species when we get together for the for the for the good of all, uh, but also individually, just how ridiculous we can be. And uh, for that film, I chose Magnolia. Well, it's also it's a kind of a warning. It's like, yep, we're all pretty effed up <laughs> but also but then when when uh, our collective consciousness actually is working we can accomplish great things um, so uh, they're, they're my five <laughs> a, good, a good choice I think um, an interesting an interesting mixture of um, the sublime and the kind of ridiculous and <laughs> And next up, we got uh, Crystal this is this was a really good topic initially I, I thought it was um what we're talking about, what films will we show to aliens to teach them about Earth. And then I thought it was about films that a- where aliens have come to Earth and we're showing them. So I got a bit confused. But anyway, <laughs> I came up with this. I also chose Starman for very much the same reasons that David said. Um, then I chose Capex for very similar reasons, but, but also because it goes through the range of uh, human capabilities uh, and uh, People finding out they can do what they didn't think they could do, and um, yeah, it's uh, because of uh, human frailties and their positive attributes as well. Um, and then I got really literal, and I went with David Attenborough's Life of Mammals series, the documentary series. Cool. <laughs> because I thought, well, not only is it, not only is it brilliantly shot, it's beautiful to watch, but it's very informative on what life on Earth is like. Yeah. <laughs> And then I had trouble with the last two, and, I, and I've come up with them as you guys have been talking. Luke inspired me to think of To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, nice. Mm. For very much similar reasons to what he was talking about with his films. And, and mainly to show human compassion and, and, and that we're capable of teaching other humans compassion. And, and my final film would be um, Monty Python's The Many of Life. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <a> good one. 
Um, another reason I like to kill, like why you've chosen to call to kill a mockingbird is that the resolution is actually not done through violence. It's yep. about um, I forget Gregory Peck's character. Name of Gregory Peck's character, which is Atticus. 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 Thank you. You know, it's all about someone actually being quite having to resolve it using the Picard method. Picard, exactly <laughs> talking, talking, and and thinking. Thank the you. not um, the not not a conflict or fighting resolution yeah. or attention resolution. It's more about someone actually having to yeah. use their heads. Another good one to show was Twelve Angry Men. Now that I think about it, yes, yes, yes. Very <laughs> Twelve good Angry Men was on my list, but yeah. it got bumped off. For, well, you uh, talked about it before. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's something I, I often think to myself: if everybody on this planet and it have to be unanimous, decided that we're not going to fight another human being. The governments of the world would have to work out their differences without going to war. I know that's impossible because you're not going to be able to convince every single human on the planet to do that, but just imagine if yeah. you could. Mm. I'd say chess, chess games. War Everything games. should be resolved with a chess. War games. Computer Shall games. we play a game? Come, 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 computer games. <laughs> Warcraft. So yes, we should, Warcraft. Yeah. We play Warcraft. Um, we were uh, in Solo and Ixia, which I did the other day. Oh yeah. No, I, I chose the meaning of life just because it's a well. It just shows different facets of human life, and it, it's of course it's incredibly funny because it was Monty Python, but it, it shows the sides of human beings that you probably wouldn't otherwise see because it's just, <laughs> it's just their quirky view on life. <laughs> The universe is hilarious. Yes. Every, cool. every sperm is sacred. Every sperm <laughs> is sacred, indeed. I often think that. Uh, so that's our uh, films that we would teach aliens about Earth. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, your t- uh, top five. What, you know, what would you choose and uh, and why? We'd really love to hear from you. Uh, let us know. Contact us. Um, let's finish up with Coming Soon. In cinemas August 21, we get 20,000 Days on Earth, uh, which is a documentary about Nick Cave, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Deep Sea... Australia's own Nick Cave. (laughs) Deep Sea Challenge 3D, which is um, James Cameron's latest documentary effort about going down to the Marianas Trench, which is... Wow. Mm. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Lowest, uh, deepest point on Earth. Uh, He doesn't quite manage to get to the bottom, but... He had a few problems from what I can... Yeah. Why would you want to? Journey yeah, to the centre of the earth. Oh, crazy. Real life Jules Verne. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, Freedom and The Inbetweeners <laughs> 2, who Dear. were not Australia's own, but was filmed in Australia. Dick. So Australia's own. It's The Inbetweeners 2. <laughs> no. The Inbetweeners 2. I didn't know there was an Inbetweeners 1. Is this yeah. based on the TV show, The Inbetweeners? Yeah, it's based on the TV show. Yeah, that's right. What? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I didn't okay. even know there was a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they made their own. They made one and then two. They, they filmed it entirely in Australia. And, mm. and I have no yeah, interest whatsoever. Funny. But the. Um, you know, advanced ticket sales are pretty impressive. So there'll probably be a number three. Anyway, I can't comment. I haven't seen any of their stuff. Uh, so, and just uh, so, just before we go, uh, just a quick shout out. A friend of mine's an artist. He he's actually a uh, he's also like one a nerd rapper. If you uh, look up Tyler Danger Boyko, he does uh, like raps about Doctor Who and, and things like that. Um, but uh, he's also an artist on the side, and he did a uh, poster that has like all the different characters that Robin Williams has played and it got retweeted by Rosie O'Donnell and is getting like all kinds of um all kinds of uh you know hits on it right now and I thought I'd give him just a little bit of a shout out I made he doesn't have a good link to it so I made a tiny URL um but if you go to tinyurl.com/ncpRobin um it'll it'll go to the correct site so I just wanted to uh kind of give him a a shout out there He's like doesn't know what to do with himself because he had no idea that anybody was going to see this thing, and then it just blew up, you know, all of a sudden. It's cool. Yeah, no, I saw it. I saw it this morning. I checked. Uh, I wanted to check it out, and uh, yeah, someone's posted on Nine Gags, getting some good reactions. Neat stuff. Cool. So that's it for episode one zero five. As, as uh, like I said, our tribute to Mr. Ron Williams, and uh, it's a, a damn shame, and he will be missed. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if we any feedback, please contact us uh, on the details at the end of the show. So thank you from me and the crew. Crystal. Shows but Luke. Yeah, really struggling with these things. Bo. Major look. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can run on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at NerdCultureCast. 
Skype us on Nerd Culture Podcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.